So uh, we will chat with him now. Gus Kattengill from ESPN 100.3 in New Orleans. My friend joining me now on ESPN 1420. Good morning, Gus. How are you? Hey, man. How you doing? So are you are – you, you couldn't have this uh, – the, the testing thing down at this point. What's the protocol for you as you're, you're having to do some uh, some play-by-play with two-lane hoops? Yeah, and we're just uh, basically – at least I am. I'm with the, the team's protocol. So um, three, four times a week, game days, and especially on road trips, you test uh, a couple of days more than normal if we were having home games. So we leave for Tulsa a little bit later. This morning, and so you test, uh, let's see, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and today's Friday, and then um, we head on out. So, Well, good luck, dude, and um, appreciate you joining us while you're in route to do that. So let's let's talk about it. I mean, speaking of COVID, we can I, – I can start with a COVID thing that segues into the Pels and then right into the Saints. Um, you know, Zion Williamson didn't play Wednesday night, and it turns out it was just because it was uh, – it, he had an inconclusive test result, but otherwise he was fine, mm-hmm. but he didn't play. And as much as um, I'm breaking down this Saints-Bucks matchup, gosh, until until this thing kicks off Sunday, man, I mean, I, I guess we can't just get too comfortable. I feel like at any moment something could happen and suddenly we just find out that somebody's not available because of perhaps an inconclusive test, right? It's – I. I, I as much as I've broken down the Saints Bucks this week, I'll be honest, I haven't really thought about the COVID aspect of it, but you're never really out of the woods in that regard. I think we've learned that this year for sure. Yeah, and I think one of the things that's interesting is you heard Sean Payton this week mention and talk on the fact that um it's why he and you know, at least his explanation with Blair Walsh as to why he signed him, and that was in case that, you know, you know, let's get a uh, positive test. And then he, as he joked, he doesn't have to go out there and, and kick field goals, which obviously he can't do that. I know him. I don't think the rules are coach can walk out there and go play. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's obviously something that he said I hadn't really thought of that much, but he clearly has um, in terms of, he kept saying the, the procedure to come in. So in other words, it, it just takes longer and, and if you sign somebody, then it's like seven days or something. So that's what he was saying. Is that now that they brought him in, I guess he's in a testing protocol and he can still be tested and maybe have him stashed in a hotel room or something uh, in case that happens. But it'd be easier, I guess, to bring him in in case there was an injury or in your case, that you're saying, Scott, um, a test comes back today and we'll let this happen. Yeah. He's, it seems like Sean's doing everything he can to get a handle on it, everything he can to stay in front of it. The the Camara being out for the final game, it was – if I don't know that – maybe they did, did need a wake-up call. I'm not sure, but it certainly gave them one heading into the postseason in regards to the COVID-19 protocols. But you just hate to get to this point in the year with everything that's on the line and this being – for what many of us believe is that last chance to to get a Super Bowl while the window is still slightly open for the Saints before Drew hangs it up. It, it, <laughs> Saints' last couple of postseasons have ended in absolutely agonizing fashion. You'd hate for it to end this year because, you know, uh, a, a false positive or, you know, a player just not doing what they're supposed to do or a kicker not being available. There's no way to have a grasp or a handle on all of it, but there are ways to do your best to try to 
prevent it. And I think that's one thing that, you know, Sean Payton's not messing around with that. No, there's no doubt about it. And, and I think it makes a lot of sense, too, when you think of all the different things that you've done to this point. And, you know, it's, it's crazy. I know we're talking NFL, but it's one of the things that I was talking about on our show as to what's just remarkable when you look at what's going on with the and with certain games being postponed and the Houston element and stuff. I mean, you, you have all of these people doing everything you can to be able to play. And um, if you aren't doing at least your part and your part being, don't put yourself in positions where, come on, let's be honest, whether it's gentlemen's clubs or clubs and parties and things of that nature, and you have staff members that aren't even allowed to, you know, go out anywhere and you know you've heard the stories of the national championship game from ohio states and their staff that were you know quarantined for seven weeks and stuff and i mean everyone's doing that you know and on our level you know the graph and and you know, the voice of the pills and stuff i mean they're, they're not even allowed to go to the facility when they call games here in the arena they have to be up at their broadcast booth an hour before open so they don't walk around the 750 people that are in the crowd they don't get to go to the facility, as I mentioned. They're not even in the, the work office building. So you have all those things. And if you have a player that doesn't do their part, um, that makes sense. I mean, that's where, like, last week I'm sitting there going, well, all these Saints players were testing positive. Of course it happens the week before the, you know, the final regular season game or the playoffs. You're like, well, you know, it's, it's just crazy to sit there. Now, it's not that you can force people to do the bubble, but I've got to imagine at this point in the divisional round, I would assume, Scott, and I would hope that I'm going from the facility to my house and I'm telling my wife, you know, you got to go a week before you got to go, you know, get the hair nails done or whatever. I mean, look, I I know we did it a lot during COVID, whether it's Sam's or Walmart. You can literally order on your phone, drive to something and pick it up. I can get people to bring me food with Uber Eats. Like, I'm making sure but I'm going to do whatever I can to be out of any situation where I can catch COVID if I'm at this point in the postseason and I'm a member of the New Orleans Saints, right? Let's hope that uh, everything is status quo in regards to that come Sunday. Now, when you look at the injury report the last two days, Gus, Latavius Murray and Taysom Hill, both DNPs haven't practiced yet this week. Latavius dealing with a quad issue, Taysom with a knee issue. Are we going to see a career high in touches for Alvin Kamara on Sunday? You know, that's interesting because we've seen Sean Payton use um, Kamara as a decoy, haven't we? We've seen that happen. So when you see that, I think I couldn't understand and see that happen, and it would make sense. That said, you know, he's one of those players that produces matchups that favor you. And I think you wait and see how Tampa is going to approach this. And, Scott, I was saying on the air this week that if I'm the Bucks, i got to do something that's completely different than what I've done in the three games that i played. And to me, I'm going to just chance it, right? I mean, look, I, the first two games, they got the better of you. And I think what you have to do, is see what the Saints are going to try to do for you and try to protect. Because if I play zone like they did, Drew Brees is going to get me. If I um, try to go and stop Alvin Kamara, well, the receivers 
can, can get me. But I, I think if I'm the Bucks, the first two drives, I said the first quarter in the show, but at least the first two drives, Scott, I am blitzing on every single play. Run blitz, pass blitz, you name it. It's a safety, it's a corner, it's left, it's right, it's up the middle, I'm stunting. Every single play the Saints run in the first three drives, four drives, somebody's coming in. I am forcing Camaro to pick up pressure. I am forcing the line to go, is it left, is it right, is it middle? Is it a full house blitz? I'm forcing Drew at the very minimum to spend a second or two out of the play clock in his reading and recognition, reading and recognizing, oh, oh, here comes the blitz again. I squeeze who struggled the last couple of games to go, are, are they blitzing or not? Is it a stunt? Are they coming left or right? What's my line calls? All of these different things add a second, half second to your, to your clock, to your reading recognition. It slows you up for a quick second. It's sort of like when you, you know, press in basketball, even if you don't get a turnover, by the time the team gets on the other side of the court, the shot clock's, you know, shorter than it would normally be. So that's what I would do. And when we had Scott Shaley on the show yesterday, that's literally what he said he thinks the Bucks are going to do, that you have to. I mean, you cannot let Drew Brees just sit back there because he's picked them apart in two games. So to your point, I know it's long-winded, but there's things that Alvin Kamara can do. If they're going to pressure, I, I can throw a screen behind it. I can run at it. Um, but I, I, I think, yes, Kamara needs to be a big part of this game plan. At the same time, you saw last week, Deontay Harris can be a big part of the game plan. So I, I think the Saints know what's coming. They can expect it coming uh, and, and adjust. And they have enough weapons to adjust. And, and I think that's, again, one of the reasons we go back to a couple of Fridays ago where I said I'm as confident of the last four postseason years as any in this team. Uh, so you're, you, I feel like it's going to be a, a close contest Sunday. Um, I do think the Saints will win, but I think the three-point spread is about right. I think Tampa, a, f- a couple of things. You know, Ali Marpet is such an overlooked aspect of this game. He's a... Uh, you know, when he is off the field and he was he missed three and a half games this year with a concussion, I'm talking about the starting guard for Tampa, and he missed that game against the Saints, but Brady was under pressure on nearly uh, one-fourth of all his snaps when he dropped back to pass when he was not playing. 24% of the time, only 15% whenever he's on there. You look at how much pressure the Saints were able to get with their front four. A lot of people remember when Hendrickson had three sacks in a row, but you know, some of them were getting waved off by penalties that were kind of away from the play that had no bearing. Point is, he was just getting after it. And and once the Saints got a big lead, they were really able to pin their ears back and go for it. But I think Marpet, I think that Antonio Brown, I mean, he's been a big difference maker for him. He had only practiced three times for the Bucks before their matchup with the Saints uh, back in the middle of the season. Right now, they're putting him all over the field uh, he scored in four straight games. So while Lattimore has owned Mike Evans, I mean, it's just a fact. I mean, Evans in the last three games has run 72 routes when guarded by Lattimore and has as many catches as you and I do. So um, I think what about Brown, you know? And Godwin, Godwin's a player too, and Gronkowski, I get it. But I'm just trying to look at things that were not there the last time that they played. And on the other side, you know, Mike Thomas wasn't around. And you saw him kind of comfortable – Getting back into a rhythm, looked pretty good against Chicago. I think the aspects of the guys for both teams that weren't able to play in the middle of the season, I think 
When you look at Marpet Brown, you look at Michael Thomas, I think they're going to have major impacts on Sunday's game. And I think, you know, I, I just, I, I think you mentioned the Bucks just blitzing Brady Breeze a ton and trying to force their hand with Kamara. I think on the other side, you got to try to get to Brady with the front four before you start blitzing. Because if you can get consistent pressure like you did last time and hit him early, you can have a pretty good day. But if you blitz him a ton, it that's that's a lot of weapons Tampa has for him to throw to. Gus, I think we lost you. You there, buddy? Yeah, sorry, I had you on me. All um, good. I, I think the thing that that really stands out to me, and it's why I've been confident going into this week, is okay. Look, this is attacks of the things you said in there. Pressure. In, in two games, you have three sacks. In two games, you have three turnovers apiece that you forced. In two games, you had two interceptions and three interceptions. So, I think it's it's safe. Not even to assume, but it's reasonable to expect that the Saints defensive line can get to Tom Brady because they primarily did. Now, they did send some pressures and stuff of that nature, but for the most part, it was really the Saints defensive line kind of applying that pressure. Now, you mentioned they might be getting some players back. That's fine. And we'll talk about Brownie in a quick sec, but, you know, they're losing their, their starting right guard. That's also now another person that they have to kind of adjust for. Um, when you look at Antonio Brown and his impact, he has been somebody that I've talked about this week as what kind of impact can he be? Because obviously that was his first game against the Saints back in Tampa. And now he's had more. He's had a couple of touchdowns since then, and you see that. But, Scott, again, I, I, I always tell people, use your eyes. You know I mean? A lot of times your eyeballs will tell you what you see. Um more than what your heart and, and your gut sort of tells you. Look at your eyes. And, yes, we've seen him catch touchdowns. Yeah, we've seen him catch passes. Is he Metcalf in Seattle? Is he a guy that – and, again, I'm, I'm talking about there's very few in this league right now where I feel that on every play, hold your breath because you cannot stop him. I, I, he's not there right now. He might have been in Pittsburgh. It's been several years since he was a snap the ball and find 84. I, I just, I don't see that. I'm not saying he can't be um, good. I mean, Deontay Harris helped the Saints with a seven catch. So, yes, he can see. My point is, like, I almost look at it as when the Saints play the Falcons. You know me, right? Every single time we play the Falcons, what do I say? Let Julio have his day. Julio Jones has never beaten the Saints. It's never been him. Now, you can say, well, the attention to him allowed Calgary to get open in a couple of games ago and stuff like that. Yeah, I know. The Saints just had a terrible secondary. If you have good corners, you can play man on their best guy. He gets six, seven catches. I hope Tom Brady goes after Antonio Brown the entire game and thinks, He's the way to beat him because he's not going to. The way the Saints are going to have to run the football, they're going to have to spread it, and they're going to have to get other people involved other than Antonio Brown. Because I also think that the Saints have a deep enough secondary, decent enough safety play. Janoris Jenkins is pretty good, too. Had an interception to pick six in game one against this team where I think they can 
of Beck Evans or Brown or Chauncey can make a play as the nickel. Um, the tight ends, yeah, they've been effective, but inside the red zone, occasionally see a pass or two. Gronk's been absolutely inconsequential in the first two games. Can he have it this game? Of course, I guess there's an opportunity, but again, are you watching this season and do you see him running away from people? Do you see him getting that wide open or rolling over? No, no, he's like slow. He back day? Yeah, he's slow. Exactly. So, you know, and that's what I'm saying. Like with Antonio Brown, I just I haven't seen those four-yard plans taken to the house for 80 yards. So I, I just, I don't know. I, I just keep looking at the games that they've played. And while I know those are at different points of the season, game one of a new offense, and, um, you know, if a, I, I do call it the Tampa game almost a fluke to an extent that you can't expect a beating like that, five rushes and, you know, no TVs and all of that. But at the same time, what the Saints did wasn't fluky. Trey Hendrickson couldn't be blocked. Tom Brady made bad throws and decisions. The Saints offense executed. They ran the ball with double-digit carries on two backs in game one, and they attacked them differently and more effectively in the secondary in game two. Tampa secondary, he still stinks. Tampa secondary made that game a lot closer than it had to last week against Washington with a no-name quarterback. Bless his heart. But it's not Drew Brees and, and the weapons on the team. So I understand the, you know, you know, this can happen, and I get the narrative nationally. Well, it's Tom Brady. I get it. But no one nationally is talking about the fact this is the second postseason game for that Bucs team. As the games get bigger, as the games get tighter, late in the clock, you look at it, there's got to be something to the fact that everyone on that same field has been in an NFC championship game or a playoff game. Several of them. So, I, I mean, they're the more experienced team. They're the more talented team, and I think they're the better team. So I, I don't, I, I don't know. I that's why I'm confident. ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. Good stuff from our guest Gus Cattengale, Saints and Pelicans correspondent. Um, the whole beat a team three times narrative. I mean, historically, it's it's not, you know, it's it's not as difficult as it is to beat them twice and lose. If you just look at all the times it's happened in history. Um, but you could go find a stat if you want and, and convince yourself one team's going to win over the other. In terms of games that have been played in the past between two teams that are meeting for a third time, I don't think any of that matters on Sunday. It's a win in the matchup, and to me, Gus, and, and I, I've been saying it for five weeks, my biggest concern is the interior of the Saints' offensive line. And now I've got a second concern, okay? There are a lot of things that I'm not concerned about with the Saints. And, and their defense is, as a whole, I'm, I'm really not concerned about it. I mean, I, I feel good about the Saints' defense. For me, it's the interior of the offensive line and something I didn't think I'd be saying come playoff time. The other one's Will Lutz. I know Sean gave yeah. him the, 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 the vote of confidence, but Gus, he's missed four of his last seven. You know how it is with kickers. I mean, Garrett Hartless can't miss anything and then got into a rut got gotten it got in his head and before he knew it you know he was out of the league and with Will Lutz this is a guy that you know was automatic what did he miss one field goal all of last season I mean just a pro bowler a guy that 
you didn't have to worry about. And between him and, and, and Thomas, you know, who's a friend of ours, and, and Thomas Morissette has had a great career, he hasn't had a good season either. As great as the special, Saints special teams has been the last couple of years, ironically, it's the kicker and punter that I'm worried about. But with Will Lutz, if this thing comes down to him needing to make a kick to win the game for the Saints to advance, I mean, I mean, just get ready for nausea and, and vomiting just from nerves one way or the other. I, I, I have no – I cannot argue with any fan – or, or individual or commentator or pundit that goes into this game and says, I have some concerns about Will Lutz right now because I think you have the right to. I mean, you have to have, right? I think one of the things that is crazy, and I'll never understand, you brought him up. You know, I had Mike Neighbors on yesterday, and, you know, he's part of the CST coverage. And Love Mike. Good I, guy. I, dude, it, it's crazy because he has a show, and go check it out, it's called Aaron. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, used to drive around, obviously, before COVID with these players, Morton Anderson, Nick Vital, you name it. And it, it was kind of like the, the, the spin on late night show host with a sing karaoke, but they do a, a sports interview. So the last episode and the latest one is Garrett Hartley. And it's crazy because he was, I called him heart drum, a heartbreak Hartley. Right, I mean, it was either he was either a heart throb or or he broke your heart. I mean, and it, it's nuts. And look, man, the guy's been through some stuff out uh, losing a kid and, and all of that. So I, I asked how he was doing, and you know, he's always always going to have a place in Saints fans' hearts, and and obviously Saints history. The guy sets records and up until that point, for longest field goals over forty yards, right in the Super Bowl. And he kicked them into the Super Bowl. I mean, I, I can't think of a more clutch stretch in two games for a kicker in NFL history, to be honest with you, when you think about it. So, um, but to your point, the guy could make a kick out. It, it, it's nuts. So, I don't know if it was an injury or something, but the thing that concerned me with the kick last week with the miss was when you saw the camera pan to Lutz on the bench and he had that look. And, Scott, you know what I'm talking about. It's the look that if you've covered sports, played sports, been in sports, it's, it's uh-oh, he's got the yip. I mean, it's, you know, he's looking at the scoreboard. He's shaking his head. He has that, that, that distant look where his eyes really aren't focusing on anything. He's just looking straight ahead. The, 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 the teeth are gritting, are gritting, and, you know, he has his – his mouth kind of open, and you're like, "Oh no!" I mean, he just, he just, you just see it on his face where it's 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 weighing on him, and in that position, it's literally the last thing you can have. It's, it's a reliever, Scott. You're a baseball guy, you know what it is like when a closer reliever comes in that's struggling, and the first batter, man, you know, first pitch, ball one, ball two. Then you see him, he grabs the rosin bag, he's taking the hat off, he's you know, adjusting, you're like, uh-oh, he's thinking about it. Like, you know, when you have confidence, you get on the mound, you get going, you're throwing the ball, you're getting ready to go. And when you don't, you just clearly see it. And, oh, man, it's it's rough to see because you would have confidence in him. You would think that he can do it. And I still think more often than not, I would probably lean on being confident. And I think at the end of the day, Sean Payton does. 
Now we'll see. Um, you know, if he's going for it on fourth and two in normal field goal range, yeah, then we know the answer. Especially right? if it's like I'm a moment with, in the game where three just makes a lot of sense. You know what I'm saying? Uh, look, and I'm going to say this, and you've had him on your show a ton, man. And I, I, again, another Saints legend, right? But special teams was one of my talking points and storylines going into the game last week. It absolutely is this week because Thomas Morstead has to look like Thomas Morstead this year. And not at all. And we, I think, see now why the Saints have kept the punter on the old injured reserve, you know, stashing him for a season. Red, red shirt season, season. yeah. Um, he's going to be the punter next year. And I think Thomas will retire. You just, you can just see it. But, Scott, it's scary because we've seen 30-yard punts, man. I mean, like we're, you know, in a game like this, Flipping the field position is just as important, right? I mean, even if it's giving them an extra 20 yards that they have to go down the field to try to score, it can make all the difference in the world in, as you say, a three-point game, and it's Tom Brady and his classic two-minute game-winning drives and all this other stuff. So I think special teams man can play a big, big part on this because let's not forget while there's a lot of attention on Lutz, I want to say, Scott, and have a bad memory, and I'm old here, but one suck-up, not the kicker they started with. I, mean, I want to say they went through some kickers here and had some issues with kicking at the beginning of the season as well. The the Bucks, I I guess, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not even, I'm not sure I'd have to look that up. I don't know. Off the top of my head, I'm not sure. Right, but I, the point is, I know, I know, I know. Suckup has been really good this year. I, I know that. I think he's, right. you know, he's played every game. He's made, I don't know, ninety uh, percent of his field goals. Like he's, he's, he's kicking at a better clip than Lutz is going into this game. And I, oh, yeah. I you know, never thought I would say, oh yeah, Tampa Bay. They've, they've definitely got the edge at, at kicker and punter. But heading into this game, the, <laughs> the truth is, they do. I mean, they do. Yeah. <sighs> It's. I. I hope it doesn't come down to a final kick for Will Lutz, buddy. I just. Uh, it's pretty nerve wracking, but you know what? Maybe. Uh, maybe it won't. You know, like I think it's gonna be a close game. I. Am I wrong? You're kind of leaning to. You feel like the Saints cover, and 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 it's not gonna be. The game won't be in question in the final couple of minutes. That's what it sounds like. You're leaning toward. I, I do think this game comes down to the fourth quarter. I mean, I, I would be absolutely shocked if, you know, I'm very comfortable on, you know, Sunday evening. But, look, it's a playoff game. And I thought it was interesting that Sean Payton and Drew Brees both acknowledged this week that they kind of figured this was coming. That they both, both assumed when Tampa uh, made the, you know, the signing for Tom Brady that this was going to happen. So I think when you think of it from that perspective, I, I, I think they're ready for this. And again, I think if, if it's not Tom Brady, if it's somebody else at quarterback, is there as much national, oh, you know, there's no way the Saints can beat a team a third time. You know, I, I think having Tom Brady there, and I understand it. It makes sense. The guy has won six Super Bowls. Um, but I think, as you see, if Drew Brees, Drew Brees without Sean Payton, vice versa, is you know, Brady and Belichick different. Um, I look at it like this, man. You, you look at 
two or three things that are, they're just truths. I'm taking the Saints, Sean Payton over Bruce Arians, and then his staff over his staff. Aren't you? I, I think 100%. his staff and Sean Payton have shown that they know what's going on. Um, the other aspect of it is I think when you look at it, they're in their heads. I mean, on Monday, you know, the question of Bruce Arians was, you got swag, uh, you know, the, the Saints defense has swag, and he answers immediately, well, our offense has swag, you know, and he was talking about how his offense was on a roll going to the game against Tampa, and they got hammered. Um, there's been stories where, you know, look, it, I mean, but one of the questions for Bruce Arians this year was, do you have confidence in Byron Lefkowitz in play calls? We've seen Tom Brady make mistakes in two-minute drills. He did it at Chicago earlier this year, and it wasn't the only time he did it. Um, the other aspect of it is, again, I mentioned the Saints are a postseason team the last four years. They have confidence. They have um, experience. And more importantly, they are ahead of the process. I'm not saying that Tampa can't do it this year or could do better, but I Certain things that are true. The Saints D line still the Saints D line. Um, the coaching staff is still the coaching staff, and I try not to read into a lot of things. But Scott, if you've listened to Sean Payton this week, and especially yesterday, the guy is joking. He's introspective yesterday. He's, you know, talking about uh, the, the season and what you try to do, and he, he's laughing and telling stories and jokes about. Uh, how, how he's calmed down and relaxed and being able to breathe. And, and more importantly, listen to how he talked about how Tampa can protect. Because, again, there's only so many things you can do to stop a D-line that you can't block. You're going to have to put another back in. You're going to have to keep your back in. You have to keep a tight end for an extra offensive lineman. And what did Sean say on Wednesday when he was asked about it? He literally went one, two, three. He went down the line on the things that the Bucks have done. He said they've kept Gronk back in six-man protection. They've kept the running back in the back. They can do play-action protection. He went through three or four things that the Bucks are doing to give Tom Brady extra protection because the line cannot block. He sounds exactly what he said when he talked about the only way Mitch Trubisky can throw the football is through play-action. Coach Payton is locked in. I've said it all season. It's why I said this year he's taken it to another level. To me, when you look at it, Sean Payton is not going to be surprised. He's relaxed because he knows what's coming. And in football, preparation is a big aspect of it. If you can know what's coming enough, I mean, obviously – you're going to get wrinkles, and obviously you'll get different things. But if you can get enough preparation to where it's not that much of a surprise, then you're ahead of the game. Are there going to be wrinkles? Are there going to be a drive or two where you need to go, oh, oh I mean, Scott Stanley said you, you, you may get in the game, and you're going to see them go right down the field and score a touchdown. Be like, oh, you can't do it. Relax. You're going to make the adjustments. Dennis Allen's going to see what you have to do. Aaron Glenn's going to see what they have to do. Demario Davis will We'll figure it out. We just remember it's a four-quarter game, almost like Tampa. They have to survive that first quarter, I think, in terms of turnovers, which has killed them. I think the same's the same thing. You know, make smart decisions and 
I, I think at the end of the day, talent wins out, man. And, and I just, I think the Saints have four players that can make big plays at the right time. And I, I think that storyline of can the Saints beat the Bucks has to be turned on the other side as well. At what point does Tampa go, we just can't beat this team? And it gets in their heads. And while there isn't a massive, real dome field advantage, they are still on the road. It's the second week for them. They have to travel. All those different things can add up to it as well. So I started the week, Scott, 34-31. I could see something maybe like 31-27 or, you know, where a touchdown would be the Saints, but the Saints defense sort of makes the play. I, I, I can see that to a couple of aspects. 27-20 prediction, uh, so we're not too far off like the Saints in this one, Gus. Appreciate the time. Uh, final question, and you can be quick with it. I know you, you got to get to testing. Um, give me an X factor before we let you run, an X factor in this matchup on Sunday. Tight end for the Saints. I, I think one thing, I don't know if you've gotten it, but, man, I can tell you here, there's a lot of Saints fans that aren't as comfortable as maybe they'd like to be about uh, Jared Cook. <laughs> but Jared Cook made a big play in that first game against him. Jared Cook made some big plays at the beginning of the season, but he's been inconsistent with his catches. He can make some tough catches, and a lot of times you'll see them um, have a drop or two, though, but he'll make a tough catch. I think you could see in this game Tampa focusing perhaps on command. I mean, look, the linebackers are David and Devin White. They have the athletic ability to cover Alvin Kamara better than any team. So back to where we started this morning when you were talking about is Alvin Kamara going to be a big part of this offense? I still think so, yes. At the same time, I think Tampa's going to plan for that. Um, you know they're going to keep an eye on Thomas. I think Sanders can make a play or two. Maybe Deontay Harris does it. But, you know, there's something that tells me inside the 20, in a red zone, a key third down, man, somebody's got to cover Jared Cook or Troutman, and if David and White are keeping an eye on Kamara, Sean Payton is the type of coach that can use either a pre-snap motion or something in the backfield that occupies their eyes and slips out the tight end to be able to get a, a first down or a touchdown. And that could be the difference in the game, that one play. So my X factor is one or two is going to come out of either Jared Cook or Trout. Good stuff. Gus Catanio at GCAT underscore one seven on Twitter. Give him a follow. Check out everything he does for ESPN 100.3 in New Orleans and other outlets as well. Appreciate the time, man. Thanks for uh, talking to us during your commute to get the test. I hope it's negative. I know it will be. I know you and I have both dealt with this virus already. But well, I, the, I'm, I'm here, buddy. I'm ready to get it all up in the nose. Get, get, it, get, get it over with, man. I appreciate the time. I'm sure we'll be uh, texting a little bit on Sunday, and I'll chat with you next week, brother. Sounds good, man. Always a pleasure. Thank you, guys, and have a good weekend, bud. You got it. Great stuff from our friend Gus Cattengill.